welcome to the first official episode of Nonstop Blog, the podcast. I'm your host, Parker, and I've been super, super excited to get this project off the ground. It's been sort of a passion project of mine that's been on my mind for a little bit of time now, so I hope it turns into something that a lot of you guys are going to enjoy and, most importantly, find valuable. So, of course, the goal of this podcast is to just share like my travel tips and tricks and really kind of provide suggestions on how to travel smarter in a sense of like how you can get cheaper flights, um, best places to travel, travel recommendations, what to do and what not to do, those sorts of things. I have this whole notes file in my phone of ideas and more and more ideas to keep piling up. So I was like, okay, I need to start actually recording these episodes so I can make room for new ideas and not just feel so overwhelmed when I do start to record these. Hopefully at some point I'll have some guests on the show, um, like people who I've traveled with, people who I've gotten to share experiences with, people who have traveled to places that I haven't gone to and they can share their experiences. Um, And it will hopefully be like a really cool mix of different perspectives on traveling. So with summer right around the corner, I thought it'd be a great opportunity for this first episode to be about summer recommendations on where to travel and where to avoid. To me, travel is really about flexibility, and I think that people, I think in general, you're going to enjoy traveling more if you go into it with like a flexible mindset. So that's not to say that having an itinerary isn't a good idea, especially if you're, you know, going somewhere for a short amount of time or tickets are going to be more expensive the longer you wait for attractions or activities. But sometimes having like a really set in stone itinerary can take away from the spontaneity of travel and I think that's one of really one of the aspects that makes it really unique I think if you you know maybe plan a couple activities and leave the rest of time to you know go back to that shop that you saw when you're walking to the hotel or whatever then you you'll find yourself having a much better experience so with that being said just like with any destination I think having a flexible mindset when we talk about these recommendations is going to maybe lead to you having a better time if you do decide to take up take me up on some of these recommendations before we get into like the breakdown of list by list I will say I think that my recommendations have a lot to offer so if you are the kind of person who when you go on vacation you just want to like lounge around I think that that is very possible with these destinations. On the other side of that spectrum, if you are the type of traveler who is very adventurous and you like to be on the move and doing things, I think that this these recommendations can also accommodate that. So in this list, I have included three international destinations and two domestic destinations, and I probably would have gone all international, but I do understand that some people, I'm not, I'm not gonna say are afraid to leave the country, but like, For instance, maybe you can't leave the country, maybe you don't have your passport or your passport's expired, and if your passport's expired, I hate to break the news to you, but you're not getting it, you're not getting a new one before summer unless you applied for it like eight weeks ago, because these passport lead times are super, super long right now. I think up to like 13 or 14 weeks, so it's a very, very slim possibility that you are going to get it before the end of the summer. So let's get right into it. The first destination on my recommendation list for this summer is Puerto Rico. So if you don't know, um, Puerto Rico is like a perfect mix between like an international destination and a domestic destination in my mind because it feels different enough where you wouldn't think of it as part of the U.S. even though you don't need a passport to go there. So if you didn't know, Puerto Rico is a territory. Well, one. (laughs) 
backtrack a little bit. If you didn't know, Puerto Rico is in the Caribbean, and it's a territory of the United States, so it's not a state, but it's not its own country, and that's why it kind of makes this, like, really good in-between of domestic and international destination. Um, I've been to Puerto Rico a couple times now, and every single time I go, I just always have a really good time. I really enjoy the food, the culture, the people. Um, I will say that's coming from someone who speaks Spanish, so... Be aware there are lots of places in Puerto Rico where not everyone speaks English. Um, I think that's uh, one of the things that is really great about it, but just be aware if you don't speak Spanish or if you're not going with someone who does speak Spanish. First pro of Puerto Rico is, like I mentioned, um, you don't need your passport. There are a lot of cheap flights from most of the places, like most of the major cities on the eastern seaboard of the United States. So think Miami, Orlando, Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, Atlanta, New York. All those places have typically have relatively cheap flights to um, Puerto Rico. The last time I went, I flew out of Tampa, and I think my ticket was like 80 bucks. So very, very reasonable. I think overall, Puerto Rico has a really wide variety of things to offer a wide variety of travelers. So you have beaches, you have resorts, you have jungles, you have like activities, you have leisure time. There is... You know, places where you can go out and dance or cool bars and, you know, cool neighborhoods of San Juan. But there's also, like, family-friendly resorts on the beaches, like, on the East Coast. And you even have the option, like, I, I wonder how long it is. I'm going to look it up. Because I know the last time I drove across Puerto Rico, it took us so long. It was right when Apple Maps had come out. And needless to say, it did not work as intended and... It, I remember it took us so long to get to the other side of the island. Okay, Google says you can get across the island in, quote, a few hours. I know that's not very exact, but that's the best I can offer you right now. Um, I remember it took us, like, six, like, something absurd. Maybe not six, but, like, maybe five. But it was a really, really long time. But, like I was saying, there's a lot of things to do. So, starting with the beaches. Oh, and a lot of history, too. So, like, if you're a museum kind of person, I think it's a great destination for you, too. Old San Juan and the fort are super, super cool. And I think, if I recall, the fort's free, so another plus on your list. But starting with the beaches, San Juan itself doesn't have a lot of great beaches. There are a few beaches, like, towards the west of the city, if I remember correctly. Maybe it was towards the east. Um, but, like, not in, like, the downtown area. So there's, like, Old San Juan and New San Juan. And if I remember correctly, newer San Juan is where there is more beach access. But if you want like really nice beach trip, I would recommend the east side of Puerto Rico. There are a lot of resorts there and it's only like maybe an hour and a half or two hour drive from San Juan. So you fly in, you rent a car. Some of these resorts even do like hotel shuttles that you can be picked up from. So if you don't want to bo bother with dealing a car or maybe you're like me and you're not old enough to rent a car, then you can choose that option. So that's kind of touched on beaches and resorts. The weather is just, uh, it's immaculate in Puerto Rico. Of course, it's in the Caribbean. In the summer, you are going to get like the afternoon rainstorm. I remember the first time I was in Puerto Rico, it rained so hard one afternoon. The streets were literally flooded. You could not drive. And we had to order pizza for dinner. And somehow the pizza delivery guy was able to drive. But I don't know. I was younger. I don't really remember the whole story. But I remember it was an ordeal. But what, <laughs> the beaches. Was I talking about the beaches or the, the weather? I was talking about the weather. Um, the weather is really good. Of course, it's in the Caribbean, so you're going to get those really warm days. The mornings are typically when it's the nicest, as you know, like when it clears up. And then maybe you'll get like an afternoon rain shower, and then in the evening it's really like it cools down, and 
it's very comfortable to you know eat dinner outside or do something like that on the topics of like or on the topic of adventure there are a lot of adventurous things that you can offer that puerto rico has to offer as well i would say the main attraction of puerto rico if you're looking for something adventurous to do would have to do with their big national park which is called el yunque and it's probably only about an hour an hour and a half outside of san juan and if you choose to do like a shuttle tour or like a tour with like TripAdvisor or get your guide most of those providers will do like a hotel pickup and you can schedule time where they'll pick you up from your hotel or wherever your accommodation is last time i used one of these we're staying in airbnb so we just picked the hotel that was closest to us and it worked out perfectly fine el yunque is a really really great rainforest you can go hiking and you can even go cliff jumping i guess it was cliff jumping i was trying to figure out what i would call it but it was cliff jumping the cliffs aren't high but you can do it and there's like waterfalls you can swim under and it doesn't feel like i think of like hiking in like the continent of the united states and you have to like put on bug spray and it's like you get all sticky and gross and you just like smell bad afterward and for whatever reason that wasn't the case when i did this in puerto rico it was very like everyone was having a good time like and you didn't need to be like super fit like it's not a challenging hike i mean some of them probably are the ones we did weren't super challenging so it's definitely like an activity for everyone. I'm sure uh, there's an age restriction just for like the safety of children, but I still think it's a really great option. So I guess that kind of covers my pros of Puerto Rico's. And as a recap, like I said, you don't need your passport. It's relatively cheap to get to from the Eastern coast of the United States. You have great beaches, you have great weather. I think there's a lot of adventurous things to do. They have like catamaran cruises that we've done and you can like rent a jet ski. Um, I have this as a bullet point, but I didn't really know how to speak on it without being, without sounding like boring, but the cuisine in Puerto Rico is really good. If you're not familiar with like Latin American and Caribbean cuisine, I'm not going to say it's all the same because definitely each region, each country has their own like unique aspects that make it different from other regions. But for the most part, like rice, beans, plantains, meat, and then just prepared in different manners. I would say the most popular Puerto Rican dish is a dish called mofongo. Um, and it's basically made out of plantains in a sense. It's like, like if you could make a bowl out of plantains and fill it with like rice, meat, vegetables, like that's how I would describe mofongo. Anyway, as the recap for Puerto Rico, I think it's a great beach destination for the summer. I think you can take your kids there, you can take your partner there, you can take your friends there. Everyone's going to have a good time. And there's a lot to do, there's a lot not to do if you just want to lay on the beach. And yeah, that that concludes my pros and cons list for Puerto Rico. Although there was really no con, in my opinion. So the second destination on my recommendation list for this summer is New England. According to Google, and according to Encyclopedia Britannica, New England includes Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut. Okay, so I was right in my, in my idea. But I think any of those states would make great destinations for this summer. I think the most appealing part of those destinations is that like it's not going to be scorching hot if you go. It's not going to be 100 degrees. It's not going to be 120% humidity. It's going to be very, like... I'm not going to say mild, like I'm sure it would still be warm, but it's going to be very tolerable. Um, all those places in New England have their own beaches, like uh, Maine has great beaches, 
and there's a lot of really cool interesting cities to explore in Maine like Portland or Bangor so maybe this is just turning into more of a Maine recommendation I don't know I was trying to include some other people in there if you want to go to the beaches or if you want to find a beach destination for the summer like those states can offer that as well as like if you are looking for adventure again this is just tying straight into Maine but Maine has the um, Acadia National Park and there are a lot of different packages you can choose to do I'm kind of stealing this recommendation from my brother and his wife because they're going soon actually but you can go camping you can go glamping you can go hiking so from my understanding you can stay in the national park and you can like hardcore camp or you can glamp which is what they're doing but either way I think you'd have a great time um, and again it's a domestic destination so you don't have to worry about having a passport if you are you know a bigger family it's even possible to drive so like i'm thinking if you're coming from like ohio new york kentucky like virginia that sort of thing i mean you could drive further personally i don't like to drive to anywhere further than six to seven hours away but you could drive if you wanted to so i guess that's a big plus and that way like if you have kids and you need to bring like their strollers or their there's like barriers that you put on a bed to keep them from falling out like it would that was such a random tangent but it it would just be easier if you needed to drive in fact this is the only destination on the list that you could drive to because you can't drive to puerto rico the food in new england is supposed to be really good too specifically the seafood so if you're not a seafood fan um maybe this isn't a recommendation for you but a lobster roll or if you want to go to a restaurant looking for restaurants that have oysters looking for restaurants that have, that have clam chowder the other thing about new england if you're looking for something a little bit more adventurous is it's sailing so if you like to sail i think it would be a great destination if you are looking at like chartering a sailboat or renting a sailboat you could do that that's definitely going to air a little bit more on the expensive side but if you're like a sailing family or you want to go sailing with your friends i think that would be a great choice as well so transitioning into our international recommendations our international destination recommendations um i'm going to go closest to furthest away so the closest destination i have on this list that's an international destination is costa rica so costa rica has recently popped up on my radar and i really want to go experience it for myself but i do have a good friend who's from costa rica and the things i hear about it it's just like wow i also this is going to be like a little bit fanboyish but there used to be a youtuber who i like a, a vlogger a travel vlogger i'll credit him with like really getting me into travel but every year he used to take a surf trip to costa rica and i was always like wow, I would love to do something like that. Like something like that would be so cool. And I guess it's kind of been on my radar since then. But for the most part, you can get to Costa Rica relatively easily from most of the US. Um, all the major airlines fly there. So you're th talking like Delta, United, American Airlines, not sponsored by the way. But um, on the plus side of that, JetBlue flies to Costa Rica, so does Spirit and so does Frontier. Now with those airlines, you gotta be a little bit less picky about like, you know, being able to pick your seat or bring a bunch of stuff with you. God, I, so like I live close to an airport, but not this close to where I feel like you are gonna be able to hear the planes on the podcast, but hearing the sound back in my headphones, it feels like I'm sitting at the end of a runway. So yeah, Costa Rica. Um, I think Costa Rica is going to be a little bit more for the adventurous type of person and not so much the laid back type of person. Typically, you have to fly into San Jose, which is the capital of Costa Rica, and it's in the middle of the country, so it's not super close to the beaches. So you can rent a car or do like an airport shuttle. 
the nicer hotels do have that airport shuttle. Um, and then you can go to like the beaches either on the Caribbean side of Costa Rica or on the Atlantic side of Costa Rica. I've seen a lot of people like rent four by fours and do camping in Costa Rica where they just kind of drive through the country and camp in the national parks. But that's definitely where it's going to play in a little bit more to the adventurous kind of personality. You do have your beaches, but like I said, they're not super close to the city. So you'd have to be willing to like, you know, get in the car, drive in a different country or, you know, sit in the shuttle van for a couple hours to get to your destination. That being said, I've heard the beaches are really great. Costa Rica has you has a unique beach. I'm sure it's more than one. I know it's more than one. But Costa Rica's beaches can be unique in the fact that some of them have black sand, and that's where a lot of surfing happens. Yes, on the west side of the country, so on the Pacific side, those are where you're going to find those really magnificent black sand beaches. If you do like to surf, I think that's a great option. You can do like a surf stay there are a lot of surfing hostels in costa rica and you can rent boards or you can bring your own board although i'm sure that would get complicated having to strap your surfboards onto the top of a van or like a jeep or something and then drive from the city but i'm sure people have done it like one of my one of my sayings when i'm traveling and i'm hesitant about doing something or i think like oh maybe that's a little risky i always say to myself like you're not the first you're not going to be the first person to have done this and it kind of brings a lot of souls because you're like, you know, if I mess this up or something goes wrong, yeah, I'm not the first person to have it too. If I have to ask a stupid question to this airport employee, I won't have been, I will not have been the first person to ask them this question. So don't have any shame and stuff like that. Costa Rica has really great culture. I find the people to be really, really nice and hospitable. Yeah, that's the right word. I was thinking that I accidentally called them hostile, but hospitable is the right word. Everyone has a different interpretation of what safe is, so I recognize that there's some privilege in me saying this as a guy, but I think Costa Rica is relatively a safe country. I think with anywhere you travel, there's some precedent to carry with you, like, I need to check my pockets, I need to be smart about, like, strangers, but I think if you are just kind of on top of those things, you would never have an issue in Costa Rica. So, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna come out and say, and say, yes, it's a safe destination. So if safety is a concern for you and you're like solo traveling or you're looking for a family destination, I don't think you'd have any problems in Costa Rica. From what I understand, Costa Rica is a very a, a, it's a safe country. It's a safe culture. Um, you just kind of, I think whenever you're traveling, and I think people do make a bigger deal about countries that are less traveled to and kind of like making examples of them. But if you, if you just like don't have common sense and you're leaving your phone out on the table or you know, talking to strangers about, you know, going to their friend's restaurant that they know of, or I'm trying to think of examples that I've heard horror stories about, but like, if you have common sense, you'd be like, oh yeah, I probably shouldn't follow the stranger to their quote friend's restaurant where they're going to give me a better deal on rice and beans. And I probably shouldn't leave my phone out on the table while I go to the counter to pick up my order. Like, if you have that sort of common sense, I don't think you'd run into any issues anywhere in the world, really. Recap of Costa Rica pros, um, relatively cheap to get to, um, it can get expensive, that's for sure. I've looked at flights on Delta and they can be like 800 bucks round trip, but I've also seen flights on like, I've seen it on United, honestly, but I've also seen it on like Spirit or Frontier where you can get there for like 250, 220 round trip and you just got to be flexible about, you know, what airports you fly in and out of and kind of the times, but I think that's a great deal to go to a country as great as Costa Rica. Like I said, just be flexible. Um, 
There's lots of activities too. I didn't even touch on, oh my God, ziplining. I couldn't remember what it was called for a second. On ziplining, Costa Rica has a lot of great ziplining, which I would love to do. And if you are looking for hikes, Costa Rica has great volcano hikes. And the beaches, you know, if you just want to lay on the beach, if you want to surf, I think it kind of offers it all. And I think it's a really unique, I'm not going to say undiscovered or untalked about, but if you were to go to like your typical, if you were to survey, or at least where I grew up, if you were to survey, you know, where's your family going for spring break or where's your family going to going on summer vacation, maybe one out of these like 150, 200 families would be like, oh, we're going to Costa Rica, maybe one. So I'm not going to say it's undiscovered, but it's definitely like on the down low. Like I wouldn't think of it as like the first destination that pops into people's mind. They're like, oh, I want to go to the beach. Like most of the times people are like, oh, let's go to Florida and I'll touch on that later. Or let's go to the Bahamas or let's go on a cruise. So, you know, like it's not at the front of the mind. So I think that that's one of the things that makes Costa Rica as a destination unique. So moving on to our next destination i would say it's definitely considerably further away than costa rica i moved my mic placement and now it's going to be messed up and it's going to bother me for the rest of the episode but um this next destination is in europe and that would be norway similar to costa rica i think this is going to air more on the adventurous side and so is the next destination but Norway has really, really breathtaking scenery in the summer when everything is not covered in snow or ice. And the main part of that attraction has to do with the Norwegian fjords and the Lofoten Islands. So if you're not familiar with that, I would say give it a quick Google. Fjords is spelled F-J-O-R-D-S. And during the summer, they are just spectacular. Of course, during the winter, they're covered in snow and ice. But during the summer, they are really, really breathtaking. And you can do like ferries or cruises specifically for the fjords. I think Norwegian Cruise Lines also does a cruise through the Norwegian fjords. I know it's like kind of like a duh thing, but oddly Norwegian Cruise Lines is based in Miami, so I'm not 100% sure, but if they don't do it, I'm sure someone does. And the scenery is, I've, I just keep going on and on and on about the scenery, but truly the scenery is spectacular. Norway has to be one of the prettiest countries I've ever visited. Um, two downsides about Norway, especially as a destination, is that it can be expensive once you get there. Like, I was in a pretty remote part of Norway, so there weren't a lot of options, but easily I was spending like 20 bucks a meal. And of course that's like eating out all the time because we were staying in hostels or Airbnbs and didn't have like the places to cook our own meals. But still it was, I would say you'd spend like 20 bucks a meal. I remember one time I was so tired of spending money and like honestly just couldn't afford to spend any more money that for breakfast we went to 7-Eleven and I bought a banana and like a donut and I was, that was still like maybe seven bucks, but I was like, this is going to have to do because this is what I can afford. So I think maybe Norway is going to be one of those destinations where you need to have a little bit more money saved up. That being said, I don't think you can still get to Norway for cheap. If you haven't heard of Norse Atlantic Airways, Go look them up. Go Google them right now. Their flights are so cheap, even transatlantic. That being said, you don't get to check your bags. You don't get any food on the plane. You do get entertainment, but you're getting what you're paid for. I have no... I know someone who just flew from Fort Lauderdale, Florida to Berlin in Germany on North Atlantic for less than 200 bucks one way. So value for money, cost per mile. It's a really, really good deal. So you can do it. But it can be a little bit hard to get to. What I always recommend is like 
positioning flights. I will say I did just see a great deal and I'll I'll try to get this posted on the website before it goes up, but the website's still in development, so I'm not sure if that's going to work out. But I just saw a deal from New York to Gothenburg, Sweden for $93 round trip on SAS Airlines. So that is a full service airline, like free checked bag and main cabin or like whatever the economy name is. You get your meals and it was a direct flight, no layovers. So that's like, talk about cost per mile. It was a mistake fare, but I still see it. If you wanna go, if you wanna look at it, um, I think it was out of Newark Airport in New York, although that's in New Jersey technically, and then flying to Gothenburg, Sweden. And what I say to people who are traveling in Europe is like, once you're there, like it doesn't really matter what city you fly into, fly into wherever's the cheapest and then get on Ryanair or Vueling or EasyJet and go to where you're actually trying to go because you're going to save so much money doing that as opposed to trying to fly Delta or United or American and one of their partners all the way to your final destination. I think that concludes my little tidbit on Norway. I hope I put it on your radar. I understand that it's probably like not at the top of everyone's list, but if you're looking for something different, just like I said about Costa Rica, if you're gonna survey everyone traveling for summer or traveling for spring break, there are going to be a very limited amount of people who are like, oh yeah, I'm going to Norway. And it's just a little bit of a flex, you know, another country you can cross off your list. I, I loved Norway. It was so pretty. So the final destination I have under my recommendation list, and this is going to be controversial, but I think that's really due to like stereotyping and stigmatization. But the next place I'm going to recommend for summer travel is Morocco. So if you don't know Mor where Morocco is, give it a quick Google. I'm going to tell you anyway, but hopefully, you know, educate yourself. It's not going to hurt. Um, Morocco sits on the northwest point of Africa. So up there in the north of Africa, all the way to the west in the corner, it sits right on the Strait of Gibraltar that, you know, Morocco shares with Spain. And then to the west is just the Atlantic Ocean. Um, I got to visit Morocco while I was living in Spain and... There, there was only one point, okay, there was only ever two points on the trip where I was intimidated, scared, frightened, and one of those literally was just a cultural difference. The culture is so different from the United States, and I think that's what makes it a great place to visit. It's so different from anywhere I've been, really. Um, the, other, the other time was warranted, but that was like a rare thing, and I don't think that you would ever experience what we experienced in that, but um, I think... If you're open to like a really, really new and unique experience and you're going to be able to go into something without any prejudice, I think Morocco would be a great, great destination. Um, I will say culturally, if you're a group of girl girls going, get a group of guys to go with you. I'm not going to say the golden rule, but <clears throat> typically the rule to follow in traveling in countries where maybe solo traveling isn't, isn't as advised or there are sort of these patriarchal gender norms like the one-to-one -one ratio i think is always ideal like one girl for every guy and i hate to say it and it's definitely not modern but sometimes that is just a consequence of different cultures so if you're a group of girls go with a group of guys if you're going as a group of friends make sure there's a good balance if you're going as couples you know i guess you wouldn't have an issue with that I always advise people to do their research beforehand, and that's definitely one of the things that I would I would suggest looking into. 
but I had seriously Morocco is one of the, if I'm like so excited to even thinking about it I can't put my words together but if at any point you ask me like where my favorite country I've ever visited was I would without any hesitation I would say Morocco the food is so good we were in Tangier and again ethnocentric mindset like I was going to Morocco and our the we did this tour and the tour guide was talking about all these fresh fruits they grow and they're like yeah you know Morocco has incredible farming and we have incredible fruits and vegetables and a lot of the world just doesn't know about it and i had some of the best if not the best fruit i've had in my entire life in morocco the food was also so good we had these moroccan pancakes or i guess they're moroccan crepes and i i think about those on a monthly basis i've tried to find a recipe for them you can't find them and like i don't you're probably thinking like oh it's just a crepe like how can it be so special it was like this thick crepe it was made with argan oil, so it had these like air bubbles with it. It was served, or like it was served with hot peanut butter on it and honey, and it was just like the best breakfast ever. I think about that Moroccan crepe very, very frequently. On a different topic, not related to food, I think there is a lot of great um, activities to do to Morocco. If you want to travel throughout Morocco, like you want to fly into Marrakesh and then go to Tangier and then go to Fez, like between all the cities, obviously there is desert. And one of the cool things to do in Morocco is to go, like, explore the sand dunes. So you can go sand dune surfing, which is, like, you literally get on a surfboard without the stabilizers on the bottom. It's not a surfboard. I guess it's a sandboard. I don't know what to call it. There's a word. But you just, like, ride down the dunes, or you can go, like, on a four-wheeler, on ATV, stuff like that. So there's, like, that's, that's an option in itself if you are in Tangier. One of the things that we did was we got to do a tour on camels. That was super cool, riding a camel on the beaches of Morocco. That's just, like, a cool sentence to be able to say that you did. Not to, like, flex, not to maybe even use it as a flex, but it's just, like, something cool. Like, what's the most unique experience you've ever had? Oh, well, one time I was, I rode a camel on the beach in Morocco. It's hard to top that, you know? And the people were so nice. Of course, as, like, as an American, there was a lot of interest in our presence, and I'm I'd be interested to see if that's the same for other people. Like if you were French traveling to Morocco, or if you were German or somewhere from Scandinavia, if you had the same experience. But every time that we went into a restaurant, there was definitely like a lot of questions. What are you doing here? You know, not like in a intimidating way but just out of curiosity so that could just be the culture but it also could be for other reasons so i'd be interested to see if other people had the same experience but i do have a friend from morocco who i went to grad school with and i would say that she would echo my sent the sentiments i've expressed on this little tidbit of morocco and this recommendation um i mean i've talked about it with her i've talked about my experiences the experiences I had there and she's kind of agreed that like yeah that's pretty normal yeah that can happen yeah a lot of people do that like that sort of thing so I don't think the experience I had in Morocco was very touristic I think it was a pretty what's the word I guess I would I would say it's like a pretty local experience minus the fact where I went to go ride a camel on the beaches in Morocco because locals don't ride their camels on the beaches Although you will see people riding camels everywhere in Morocco. So I guess that part was local. One thing I didn't cover talking about this is how to get to Morocco. Oh, and I didn't talk about the weather either. 
I was so surprised by how how nice the weather was. Like it was very mild. On the west coast of Morocco, there's a really strong breeze coming off the Atlantic because it's kind of like right there where the jet stream dips back down. So it can be breezy and it makes it cold. So even if it's like 70 degrees outside or I guess it's like 23 degrees centigrade, maybe 22, like it still feels cooler. So if you're going to go, like don't think, you know, oh, it's Africa, it's going to be hot. Like we were cold the whole time we were there. In terms of getting to Morocco, there are a couple airlines that fly to Morocco or have partner airlines that fly to Morocco, but there is also Moroccan Royal Airways or Royal Air Morocco, I think is what it is. And they offer direct flights from a lot of um, cities in the United States. Royal Air. I know that they fly out of New York. They fly out of Miami and they fly out of Atlanta. I would say they probably also fly out of like DC. They do fly. Out, okay. Yeah. So they fly out of Boston, New York, DC and Miami. So I guess I was wrong about Atlanta. Although I swear I've Maybe they used to and they don't anymore. I swear they have. And the other thing about Royal Air Morocco is they're a partner with the One World Alliance. So if you have American Airlines points or British Airlines points, Qantas is also One World. I could be mistaken about that. But if you have any of those, if you have any points with any of those carriers, you can easily transfer them to Royal Air Morocco and make your flights even cheaper. So it's, it's not as hard to get to as people think it is. And again, I think it's just like, you think Morocco is a lot further away than it really is, but from New York, it's only a five-hour flight, which is no different than flying to LA, like east, like from the East Coast. So it's not that far. Keep it in mind. I would definitely, I would highly, highly recommend. Definitely one of the best trips I've ever had was in Morocco. So I hope that those destination recommendations gave you a little bit to think about in terms of planning your vacations this summer. Just to recap, we have Puerto Rico and New England, which is, I guess, really just turned into a main recommendation. Um, and then we also have Costa Rica, Norway, and Morocco on the international front. You know, check those out. YouTube some vlogs. Um, read some magazines. Condé Nest is probably my favorite traveling magazine. But yeah, check those destinations out and see if something sparks your interest. On the other side of this podcast is where I would where I would, where I am, I am going to avoid, but where I'd also suggest other people avoid going to this summer. Um, some of these reasons have to do with cost. Some of them have to do with weather. Some of them have to do with safety and some of it has to do with culture. So the first place that I would recommend not going to visit this summer is Southern Europe. So I'm talking Spain, Italy, France, Greece, and I know that it's going to be so controversial because a lot of people take these big family vacations to Italy or Greece or Spain and they think it's going to be perfect and maybe in their perception during their visit, like it is perfect. But coming from someone who lived in Southern Italy for two, on, well, I, I got to experience two separate brutally hot summers in Southern Italy, I would say wholeheartedly that you will find yourself having a much much better experience if you go to these places at the beginning of the tourist season or at the end of the tourist season because the weather is more tolerable and the people are going to be nicer everything's not going to be as crowded um, things are going to be cheaper and like I said you'll just have a better time um, one of the things like I went to Greece in September of last year like middle of September too and it was still so hot like 30 degrees during the day 32 degrees that's like 85 degrees fahrenheit up 
upwards of 85 but it was at the end of tour season and like almost everything was empty so it was really nice because you got to experience more of a local culture um, things weren't as expensive flights weren't as expensive and i also just didn't feel like you know i was competing for like oh that table at the restaurant like i need to get there before the couple walking behind me gets there like that sort of thing on the other side of that like a lot of these countries in europe culturally they also take their vacations in the summer especially like the months of july and august so if you're going to visit those destinations while everyone who lives at those destinations is also on vacation there is the potential to miss out on a lot of things um, i think this example specifically applies to places like italy and spain when i lived in barcelona um, august was like in the local parts of the city where it wasn't touristy august was the most quiet month in the whole year like more quiet than christmas more quiet than new year's Everyone was just gone during August. So if you're traveling to Spain or you're traveling to Barcelona in August and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get this incredibly like unique cultural experience, like I hate to break it to you, but you're not. Like the, the restaurants you're going to eat at are not going to be owned by locals because the locals are on vacation. Their restaurants are closed. They're going to be owned by people who like own chain restaurants or it's not going to be a very good or tra traditional like rendition of you know local dishes or tapa so you may think you're having you know this really unique cultural experience but if you were to visit those destinations before the tourist season or at the end of the tourist seasons you would have a very very different experience um same thing with italy the first time i went to italy was in july and i will never ever make that mistake again and maybe you think i'm being dramatic but walking around the streets of rome in the middle of july days i have truly truly never been more miserable than that day it was so hot. It was, I'll, I'll grant you, there was a heat wave in Europe that summer, but it was 104 degrees Fahrenheit, so like 37, 38 degrees centigrade, walking around the streets of Rome, trying to see all the sights. I felt like the whole world was there that week. Every cafe was full, every restaurant was full. You, there's lines for every tourist attraction, lines for the Pantheon, lines for the Colosseum. Like, I, I left Rome that day thinking, or at the end of that trip thinking, I never want to go back to Rome. And then two years later, I went back to Rome in October. And I kind of went went with this, like I had friends who wanted to go because they hadn't been. And I was like, okay, like we can go again. No problem. But I approached it with that mentality of like, this is going to be miserable. And to my surprise, just like what I was talking about with Greece or Spain, I was like, oh my gosh, this city is so much more enjoyable when it's not filled with all these tourists and i understand tourists are can be vital to like the economy of a place but these like big destination cities like rome barcelona paris london like they're getting enough tourists i promise so maybe it would even help them out if you space your visits out better throughout the year but that second time i went to rome when it wasn't tourist season i had a phenomenal time and i was like that city is incredible i love it i want to go back and i went back like the next year and i brought a different group of friends and we went in march again not a tourist season and had the same like great experience so that's that's my recommendation of not to go don't go to southern europe in the middle of summer or don't go for your summer vacation it's going to be crowded it's going to be expensive lots of locally owned businesses are going to be closed no one's going to be happy because you're all competing for restaurants or cafes or whatever and yeah just avoid it and it's so expensive i have a friend who's going to europe in may and their flights were like $1,700 or something, maybe less. It could have been less. I don't, I, I feel like I remember hearing that number, but I think it could have been less. But regardless, 
that is an insane amount of money to drop on a round trip ticket. And so if you go to an off season, for, I'm, I'm flying to Amsterdam in November and I got my ticket. I shit you not. I'm gonna, I, I'll put that this has explicit content in it, I guess. Um, I got it for $53. And then I, I'll say I used some points um, with KLM to lower that price. But still, $53, very reasonable. On my way back, I'm flying from Barcelona. A one-way ticket, I think I paid like 600 bucks. So again, very reasonable. But just for perception, like that's a $900 difference in a round-trip fare. That's $900 you could be saving by going at a different time of the year. Um, I realize I've kind of gone on this tangent slash rant about not going to Southern Europe in the middle of summer. Um, so I'm going to move on. The next place I would not recommend, kind of for the same reasons of not going in the middle of summer, is Florida. Again, I know tourism is so vital to Florida's economy. And I've also lived in Florida for a portion of my life. And I've spent summers there. And I know there's like Disney World and Universal and there's the beaches. And it just seems like the perfect, you know combination for de like combination destination you can drive from i mean you can drive from anywhere in the u.s but like i know lots of people drive from michigan florida in the summertime it's just not enjoyable it is so so hot and if you're not at the beach or under any you know sort of shade if you're not going to bring an umbrella or like a canopy with you to the beach it is like you're going to be miserable there's no other way of saying that like you're going to spend an hour at the beach and you'll be like okay i want to go inside or you're just going to absolutely fry on the beach because the sun is so intense the other part of that is like it's really becoming a problem where so many tourists go to florida during the summer that it's disrupting the locals so a little advocacy for them on this front like we are clogging up their streets traffic is so bad um of course last year they had the hurricanes come through so infrastructure is already damaged or weak or bridges have been wiped out and it's just kind of culminating in this like clusterfuck of it's really become an issue how many people are visiting florida um if you're a business florida a business owner in florida listening to this like i'm sure you're probably going to say the opposite or maybe you agree with me that's just my two cents coming from someone who has lived in florida during the summer who has family who lives in florida that i hear talking about you know, like the complaints of how expensive everything gets, how you can't ever find a place to go out to eat that, you know, doesn't have an hour, at least an hour wait. The airports are crowded. And like, on a side note, please don't let your kids scream in the airport. That is probably my least favorite thing about Orlando's airport is all the screaming kids because everyone's going to bring their kids to Disney. Very random, but I think it still applies. So if you can avoid going to Florida during the summer, avoid it or go to like Amelia Island or St. George Island or somewhere that's a little bit, you know, less mainstream, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think those places can still offer the same great Florida vibe without bringing as much disruption to local life. Um, the next place I would not recommend going to this summer is Mexico. I, I think this has to do a lot with common sense and I love Mexico. I've been a couple times. Um, I have really close friends that have been to Mexico a bunch of times and they love it but I also know that like they're using common sense like there's no other way to put it if you're not willing to use common sense or just be safe and alert about your surroundings like it's very easy to end up in a situation that you would have never imagined yourself ending up in during a vacation um, of course earlier this year we had those really unfortunate and sad kidnapping and that was like all over the news and i think that's just an example of something that can go wrong um i wouldn't say a lot of mexico is family oriented 
and I wouldn't say there's a lot of activity to do because if you're going to go to Mexico and like there's a there's a good chance you're just going to stay at the resort the whole week which I don't think there's anything wrong with I just think that there's better options to travel to if you're looking for a better combination of relaxation and adventure or just you know being to really explore a different part of the country or local life I don't think that is Mexico's strong point you know currently most of Mexico is listed as a level three travel advisory which is like strongly reconsidered travel um, with the U.S. Department of State and I'm not going to say that I have not ignored those warnings before because I definitely have but I think in light of recent events, those are definitely warnings that I would take more seriously before booking any travel. On a lighter note, the last place I would not recommend going to this summer is Hawaii. Um, Hawaii is an incredible destination. There is no, if, if someone's ever been to Hawaii and said it wasn't incredible, like they're lying or they didn't go, there's simply no in between. Hawaii is ridiculously expensive. I would put it up there with Norway, honestly, on cost comparison. Um, during the summer, there is no way you can get to Hawaii for what I would deem a reasonable fare. I went to Hawaii in December of one year, and I think I spent maybe... I, I really want to say my total for my flights was 130 bucks, but I'll give I'll give listeners a benefit of doubt and say I spent 200 bucks on airfare. Um, and that was flying Atlanta to LA and then LA to Honolulu and on the way back the same route, Honolulu to LA, LA to Atlanta. But I think, and that was on Delta too, like that wasn't on Southwest or like Spirit, like no budget airline kind of thing. That was full service. Of course, during the summer, like it is so expensive to fly to Hawaii. I looked the other day just for like shits and giggles because I was interested in taking one of my friends there who's graduating or like, a group of my friends who are graduating actually and it was going to be like 800 900 bucks a person on i think it was on like on united so and we'd have to fly like atlanta to chicago chicago to san francisco san francisco to honolulu and at that point like when you have that many layovers like it really kind of starts to cut into your vacation time because we would have just been going for like four or five days so it really wasn't worth it the other thing that i did not know about hawaii before i went and this is just a fault of my own so ignorance here i am educating you it is so expensive to literally do anything in hawaii when i was there like i spent 130 bucks on my flight my accommodation was already paid for and still i think in the five or six days i was there i spent 900 to a thousand dollars on food and activities or whatever we were doing and that was even like some nights where we cooked at home or at our friend's house because we didn't want to go out to eat that night I remember the first day when we got there, we were just so exhausted from traveling all day. Like, Hawaii is far away from the eastern coast of the U.S. It's further than you think. It's just as far as flying to Europe, really. But we were so tired, like already jet lagged, and we just went to the McDonald's across the street from our hotel, and it was $17 for McDonald's in Hawaii. That's not their fault. You know, Hawaii is far away. You have to fly in food, and I get it. I get the logistics of it are expensive, but it is something I wish I would have known before going there. Probably I could have done some research and very easily found that out, but I didn't, and here I am warning you. It is very, very expensive. The other thing about Hawaii is it's not logistically the easiest place to get around. Renting a car was so expensive. There, what, one, we went during the pandemic, so, well, not exactly the pandemic, but 
towards the end of the pandemic, but there's still pandemic restrictions in place, so you had to get your COVID test. And once you got to Hawaii, you couldn't leave the island that you originally arrived into. So that was one thing. But then if, you know, obviously that's different now, but you'd still have to, you know, buy a plane ticket on like Hawaiian Airlines to go to different islands or do a cruise like on, Nor- I know Norwegian, cru- Norwegian does a cruise out there. Maybe Carnival does too. I don't think they do that. But like logistically, it's just complicated. Renting a car was so expensive. I remember for the week, it was going to be like $1,000 we ended up just renting a car for literally one day on Turo. Not sponsored, but I think it's a great alternative to renting cars, especially if you're under the age of 25. We ended up renting one through Turo, and I still think it was like $150 or $160 for the day, which was insane. Worth it, we got a convertible, and it was kind of just one of those iconic things you have to do, like, oh, I rode around, or I drove around the island of... I drove around an island in Hawaii in a convertible and it was a great day and we got to do some cool things. We went to, like, they're not called watering holes, but hold on. Okay, watering holes isn't the right word for them, but it's close enough. I just Googled it and it came up with what I was looking for. I'm gonna go to my friend's Instagram and see if she tagged the location because I know she went there too. Yeah, I guess it's just like a swimming hole. Swimming hole is the word. Anyway, it was a lot of fun, very unique. So um, it definitely gives you the flexibility of doing things, but just take into consideration the cost. The co- I can't imagine, I wouldn't have been able to afford the trip if I had to pay for my accommodation. So uh, keep that in your mind in mind when you know looking at Hawaii. I think it's a great time to go during the off season if you wanna go in December when it, it's not as touristy and you wanna do those beach getaways when it's like cold in other parts of the US, but don't go during the summer. The weather is still gonna be perfect when you go in September or October or in January or February. Truly, I don't think summer is the perfect time to go to Hawaii. So with that being said, that was my last place not to visit. I mean, I'm sure there's other ones, but I feel like they're a little bit more obvious. I feel like hopefully these were something like, oh, you know, I wouldn't have thought thought of those things and maybe I won't go there for my summer vacation, but with summer around the corner, I hope this episode gave you some good insight into where you might want to book a trip to and maybe where you want it to avoid and that is the end of the first episode of nonstop blog the podcast so i hope there'll be a couple more episodes to come out i do have so much i want to talk about and i think it'd be really cool to have some of my friends on the podcast who i've traveled with to talk about our experiences together so yeah i hope you enjoyed it and tune in next time for more travel tips and tricks